You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to this week's show. Uh, And this week, the uh, Macintosh is 35 years old, uh, and Tim tweeted... Uh, you know, to say so. Uh, last week, the SE30 turned 30. Um, that's a fabulous machine if uh, you're old enough to have ever used one. Um, and if not, later on, we will have some links for you to go and experience classic Macintosh on the web. Uh, this week, the 12.2 beta dropped for developers um, and can apparently contains references to new iPod touches and new iPads. Ooh. Uh, Apple News is allegedly going to come to Canada. Uh, Apple says it will pay people who win their uh, shot on iPhone photo contest. Um, And apparently 200 people uh, have been quote unquote laid off from Project Titan. Um, I've got something to say about that a bit later. But uh, anyway, to talk about all that and some other things, I have with me uh, Nick Riley. Hello, Nick. Oh, hi, Simon. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you very much. And we are joined by Melissa Davis, the Mac Mommy. Hello, Melissa. Hello. Thank you for having me. This is fun. I've I've been really looking forward to this. Oh, great. That's excellent. Um, and of course, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Melissa, you are uh, at the Mac Mommy uh, on Twitter. And of course, you blog at the Mac Mommy dot com and, pretty much uh, at the mac mommy all over oh <laughs> everywhere yeah and of course you are on the geekiest show ever which is over yep. over at my in mac fact, uh, in fact i'm playing some kind of bingo game with myself here uh i don't know everybody can join me if they want to i'm i'm i joked about it in our 300th episode when we were talking with tim on geekiest show ever that you know i've been on other podcasts and i've never been on yours before and i thought well maybe i should start collecting them like a bingo card so <laughs> so yeah <laughs> Yeah, like I was Pokemon. just on Three Geeky Ladies, so yeah, like, now I'm like, on your show. Like the Pokemon. Can you collect them yes, all? Yes, collect them all. <laughs> Can we collect that them That reminds all? me, I was going to ask you, are, are you collecting um, Tucson Macintosh user group uh, members like bobblehead dolls? Because <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. you've got Nemo I, and yeah. you had uh, David Acklam. <laughs> Yeah, um, and they're, they're my neighbor. They're my neighbors. Uh, yeah. They're they're my buddies out here. Uh, we go to the Tushan Macintosh Users Group together. I thought that was that was very cool. I really liked your interview with David Acklam. He's a yeah. really neat guy. He was a uh, really fascinating. Uh, yeah, excellent. Uh, yeah, I'm not actually intending to collect all of the Tucson Mac User Group, but um, obviously, as Nemo books a lot of guests. Um, uh-huh. He he seems to be. Yeah, I think we've had uh, we've had Kurt and. Uh, several others uh well, Hammond, for that one. anyway yeah uh we've <laughs> had various people um yes and i think quite a lot of them probably are from the tucson mac user group but uh, it's not that your your dealer <laughs> yeah there we go that's what well we're, we're, what do we do we pull in we pull in who we can uh right so 
Well, 35 years ago, Steve strode across the stage and uh, revealed Hello World from the Macintosh. Um, wow. <laughs> Gosh, we're old. <laughs> yes, blimey. Um, I didn't... Now, to act- be fair, I'm a little bit younger, so I don't have a recollection of that, but I have no. been using Macs for a really long, long time. I, so. I didn't actually get into the Macintosh until a few years later, um, I have to admit. Uh, That's okay. Yeah. So, uh, do, you, uh, do you know, I remember, um, so going off on a completely different computer, um, I remember uh, going into a um, an Acorn dealer um, yes, many, years, many years ago, and uh, just after the uh, Archimedes had, just, had come out, the, uh, the 310 and the 410, um, and um, walking in, and there was something playing, you know, a, a, a voice playing, uh, and this guy turning around in his chair and saying, uh, this is coming off disc in a sort of a hushed tones because <laughs> he'd never heard anything like that before come, come out of computer speakers. So huh. <laughs> happy memories. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I do remember the 1984 advert, though. So I, I guess um, I was aware of it, even if I... Um, but I didn't actually start using Macs until... I don't know, uh, a little bit later. Certainly, I my first Mac was a 2CX, um, and we had an SE30 in the office, so there you go. Blimey, uh, yeah, good good days, good days. Um, and uh, for those of you who are listening who've never experienced the classic era, uh, we I found some links here. There's James Friend's Mac Classic Emulator. Uh, there's a link in the show notes for that, uh, which is really cool. Uh, allows you to Very run. cool. Yeah, very cool. And um, also, if you go to archive.org and look up the Mac software library, you can run a whole uh, host of early Macintosh software in your browser, which is uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, And we were were caught geeking out a bit uh, earlier, just before the show, uh, having a look at uh, some of the things that were on archive.org. Strolling down memory lane. Yes, uh, Dark Castle, Oregon Trail, uh, Crystal Quest, Prince of Persia, uh, One, After Dark with the Flying Toasters. Oh, dear. Yes, there's there's a rabbit hole. There's a rabbit hole Mm -hmm. that's going to suck up a lot of time, I suspect, for anybody who uh, remembers that. There we are. I'm going to show this to my son. He'll spend hours on this. This is going to be great. Yeah. Hypercard, Mac Hypercard, Paint. yeah, Mac Paint. Oh, yeah, various systems you can run here: seven hundred one, six hundred eight, seven five three. Was well, even Microsoft Flight Simulator one oh one point zero two. Who remembers the that? bomb message? I wonder. <laughs> there we are. Yeah, extensions. Oh yeah, yeah. Yay! I know. It's it's hard to believe. I have to say, it's hard to believe that it's thirty five years ago. But press your you shift are. key. Press your shift key. Disable all extensions. <laughs> yes. Turn off the units. Turn off the units. <laughs> oh dear. I used to work in an ad agency, and uh, funny story. I had a a boss who was who had a very thick, very heavy Asian accent, and uh, I think he was Thai, and. Uh, he would come over and, you know, we would be complaining about problems that we were having. And he'd just walk over and he'd say, press your shift key, except it didn't come out as shift. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we called it from then on. Yeah. I always remember reading a story in um, in the back of Mac user 
back uh-huh. in the clan. I think it might have been by uh, Charles Charmari, actually. But was he... it one of those magazines that had a floppy disk in the pocket? Mm, no, no. Mac and then later on, you remember you'd read magazines and they'd come with floppy disks or they'd yep. come with, uh, with CDs. That and later on, they came with CDs, them. yeah. No, mm-hmm. no, the Mac user was aimed more at um, the professional market, so it tended very rarely to have anything with it. But I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it was by Charles Shah Murray, and he wrote this piece about his Mac misbehaving. And he was describing the uh, the extensions and the units, and um, in it, he was going on about them being chained to the, you know, chained to the uh, benches and and pulling on the oars like in a Roman galley, and some in it go croak, croak, falling to the floor. Like, I can't take any more. <laughs> very, oh, I remember mm. crying with laughter at that back in the day. Um, and some people listening to this go, "What are they talking about? What are they talking about?" <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, the, the... I only I only put I only bought my first time back in two thousand and seven, so this is all all before. Oh my right, time. well yeah, the the thing oh, yeah, you Melissa will remember. Lived. Yeah, with the with the <laughs> extensions. <laughs> yeah, and they used to all come up <laughs> along the screen, fronts. didn't they? As you as you as oh you booted, gosh. they used to come up along the screen, yes, and you had to get yes. them in the right order. There were certain things you yes. had to do to make them work. Sometimes, if they misbehaved, oh, it was dear. like virtually trying to untangle Christmas lights at times because yeah. <laughs> they were just they would they would cause all kinds of problems and they would conflict with each other. And so you'd have to constantly go through troubleshooting steps and you'd have to uncheck this one and then reboot and then uncheck. Yeah. And then, no, that didn't cause the problem. Okay, check that one back. Now check, uncheck this one. I mean, it was just, it was madness, but, <laughs> and, and, and here we are, how many years later and we're still using Macintoshes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Letting for punishment. Definitely. Definitely. Um, well, right. Uh, after that, um, iOS 12.2 beta includes references to new iPod Touch and four new iPad models, apparently. Uh, four? Oh, my. Yeah, four new iPad models, allegedly. And also, uh, some people are saying uh, references to uh, Air, uh, AirPods V2. So, um, mm-hmm. this, of course, is mostly down to, uh, you know, the renowned Steve Troughton-Smith, who loves to dig through the through the code. Um mm. What's it say here? Uh, yes, Tr- Steve Troughton Smith. Four new iPad models are referenced within the code, identified as iPad 11.1, 11.2, 11.3, and stunningly enough, 11.4, uh, in Wi Fi and Wi Fi and cellular variations. And a new iPod Touch model identified as the iPod 9.1. Yeah. An iPod Touch? Interesting. Mm. Yeah, yes. Huh. Um, hmm. I mean, they haven't. I thought that went bye bye. I thought no, <laughs> I the thought they were kind of retiring that. No, they retired all the others. I think you can still get an iPod Touch, but it's the hmm. sixth just haven't gen. Been refreshed for so long. No, they haven't refreshed it in years. I mean, it's and the four iPad versions doesn't refer to different carriers. Well, no idea. The antennas for different carriers could be anything, couldn't it? Could be anything. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, yeah, according to this, the new seventh generation iPod Pod Touch would be the first update in four years. Wow. Um, although without the inclusion of Face ID or Touch ID, it sounds as if the update would be rather minor. I mean, all we're taking mm. all this on um, Steve Trout and Smith's say so, of course. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not convinced myself they'll go back to produce another iPod Touch. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of what the market would be for that besides little kids. Yeah, um, I guess there are people who, you know, would would still... If if screen time, you know, and, and the, I mean, I've been using it a lot with a lot of success. If, if screen time has proved that much of a success and parents are really liking it, it, could be that there's a market for that because, you know, parents before have been kind of sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, wedged in having to get their kids phones instead of iPod touches. And, you know, most little kids, they don't really need the phone. Part. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And- I mean, I'm a mom, so my, my brain's going there. Yeah, well, that and of course, you know, the phones are getting ever more expensive. It's um... yeah, maybe they're really trying to differentiate. Like people are getting angry about having afford the expense, and maybe they just they want to get that market that they want to serve that demographic. No, 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 come on, this is Apple we're talking about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're they're seeing some revenue stream that they can actually generate out of it. No, no yeah. doubt. Well, you know, they're really good at convincing you to get things that you don't need. <laughs> I have this need I never knew I had. So I I don't know what would they what would they be basing it on? I mean, the last one was based on what the iPhone six for the yeah for the structure. Yeah, I think it was based you know on the like the shell of the because it was the first. It was kind of a hint, wasn't it, before the six came out because it came out with the rounded Mm -hmm. edges and the um. And every, was uh, it and the, the fifth gen? What's the oldest iPod? What's what's the last iPod? Six, was it a fifth gen or a sixth? Sixth gen. A, okay. Sixth gen was the last one, um, and that came out before the. Yeah, I'm sure it came out before the iPhone six, and it had it. People were looking to it for um for hints as to what the new iPhone would be like because it had a camera bump and the, mm-hmm. it was a smooth bodied round edged. That makes sense. So, but it's by a the clue, sound, it's a clue. Yeah, what would they base this one on in? iPhone 8, I guess. Uh, I've heard one or two uh, podcasts suggest, now I'm not advocating this as I think it's a good idea, but they, they've suggested that maybe it's going to end up being a cross between the um, the uh, iPad mini mm. and, and the iPod Touch. Yeah, I don't... Mm. I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm not sure, but that's what I've heard of the people. Yeah, say. that's a whole uh, new size. I've heard people mentioning that, but I'm thinking that doesn't that doesn't jibe with this very. You know, if you're going to build a whole new thing, why would you not put you know Touch ID and and all the rest right. into it? Yeah, right. This It'd be sound... interesting to know how much them if they still. Uh, presumably, they're still making a small profit on the iPod Touch, but um, it'd be interesting to know how many they sell. Yeah, I don't suppose they shift that many, but that said, if they, I mean, if you were talking, you know, if you're talking there and saying, well, let's talk about, say, using an iPhone 8 as the, as the kind of as the base model. template. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you're not, you know, you're not using OLED screens. You're not using edge to edge screens. You're not using touch ID. You're not using 3D touch. You should be able to produce that, I would have thought, relatively cheaply. Relatively. And then fill it as a stocking stuffer. Well, yeah, uh, relatively. I mean, mm. <laughs> Apple uh-huh. price, relatively. That doesn't, you know, it'd probably still be, I don't know, what, $150 or something at least. But, um, well, well, you figure the, the iPad, the iPad for education has gone down in price to three hundred and something, three twenty nine. Yeah, three so twenty nine, and if yeah. you use that as a base price, you know it's capable that an iPod Touch could be half that price. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember um, getting an iTouch, uh, iPod Touch for my son some years ago, and I think I paid a hundred and twenty nine pounds for it. They used to give them away for free when you bought a Mac. Uh, yeah, I didn't have the money to buy a Mac and get a free one. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
But uh, yeah, um, so interesting, interesting. Um, four iPads does seem like quite a lot. But then again, I suppose if you said, I mean, there's rumours that there might be a, the i you know the iPad Mini might make a comeback. Mm -hmm. I have heard those rumors. So if you was to I'm say that, say, la, 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 and la, pretend la, la. that it's the, the yeah, carrier models. <laughs> if if you were to go with that, I suppose four iPads could be iPad Mini, iPad Standard, and then two sizes of Pro, mm -hmm. which would I figure. I mean, three of those you are pretty much you could predict that there's going to be an update mm -hmm. to the Standard and updates to the Pros. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean the. I have to say that the, the latest iPad standard, the $329 one, I mean, looks like a really good piece of kit for the money because, I mean, they added pe um, pencil support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did. Yeah, um, I was jealous because this is the second time it's happened to me where I waited so long to upgrade the iPad. And then when I finally did, six months later, they, they put out another one that has, you know, that much more capability and they dropped the price. Yeah. Oh, but they did... Um, they did change the screen back to a air-gapped screen, didn't they? But uh, whether that's to do with, you know, enabling the pen, I don't know. Mm -hmm, right. Whereas before, they had the one where the LCDs literally, feed, you know, stuck on the back of the glass. But there we are. Um, so I guess um, then the next, after that, I guess the next uh, debate will be, when is that likely to turn up? Is that going to be a March event or <laughs> are we going to mm. hold out? Are they going to hold out to WWDC? Who knows? It's going to be autumn, isn't it? Isn't it always autumn? Uh, well, no, because the, the iPads, they often do... Or is it just the phone in autumn? Well, the phone is usually in... The phone is pretty much always in the autumn. The mm. iPad has floated about a bit, I think. Yeah. Uh, but the last, couple, the last couple of times that they did iPads, they had, they had a book event and they had an education event, and they were both yeah. sort of in March, uh, yeah. April time, I think. And I, I yeah, think, it was March. Yeah, March uh, was the back to school one. So, uh, yeah, I think I must I must admit because I've got no real interest in updating my iPads. That, um, they just seem to roll around so regularly <laughs> these days um, that I tend to lose a little bit of interest in it. Really? Yeah, I mean, I I don't even have an iPad personally. Um, well, yeah, and and to be honest with you, the only there's only really two reasons that I have an iPad. And it's because I'm a consultant, so I kind of have to eat my own dog food and be able to have what my what my clients use yeah, yeah. and then i have kids and so i want them to to be able to learn it and learn the coding on it so, don't get me wrong i really love the ipad i've got and i probably use it more than any other device i've got hmm. but but they have long lasting patterns they do and, it, and it, it's fine forever. for what i want yeah yeah mm -hmm. well i mean the, the first ipad that we had um we had an ipad 2 so literally the the second yeah, generation second one. ipad and that only finally gave up the ghost about six months ago. <laughs> You'll laugh when I tell you that I'm actually supporting 55 iPad 2s at my kid's school. <laughs> wow. You know, other yeah, than being... Deploy them, MDM them. You know, other than being a little sluggish by modern standards, it, it was, you know, held up They're well. They're still usable. They still serve a purpose, it even if running... it's only one purpose. Yeah, well, it was running iOS uh, 9. 9. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest problem with it was, um, yeah, that my boy could fill it up with apps quicker than you could, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> quicker than you could clear them because he would be downloading endless free games, you know, um, 
Right. And this and these ones that I'm supporting are 16 gigabytes. So there's yeah. there's only yeah. so much you can put on them. But yes, so but there's that... only so much that they use them for anyway. And the, and the problem has been, you know, trying to use apps in education it requires just so much extra work to manage the data mm. that they carry. And especially when a lot of these apps, which are really great apps, but the data isn't synced to the cloud at all. So you can't really get at it. And when you have to re-image them, well, there goes all the data. So it's been frustrating. Yeah. Well. So they're good until the browsers don't work on them anymore. Yeah. That's, I mean, that was the, um, that was, that's the biggest thing. They said that was a, a chat Donnie and I were having. I, uh, some time ago, I, I said that I had an old white MacBook, um, which mm -hmm. wouldn't go any higher than Lion, I think. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it had become basically uh, unusable, not because it didn't work well enough, but because... It's the internet, yeah. Once you can't connect it to the internet anymore, the, well, it you would you know, the, the, the version <laughs> of Safari brain. that it supported, you know, was constantly, this is too old and yes. you couldn't mm -hmm. download a new one and it was too old to support a new version of Chrome or Firefox or... Um, so Some I, of those you could convert to a low-end Chromebook. Well, I really wanted to. I I uh, wiped it and installed uh, a reasonably new version of Ubuntu. Oh well, um, there you go. I think I I got I think I got Ubuntu sixteen you know twenty sixteen on it. Um, it's not the greatest machine, obviously. It, you know, it's only got two gig RAM and no, but it's but the it little was, engine that could, and so you're like, oh, this is cool. But I with do this. The, with Ubuntu on it, it was you know it was a usable machine. So. Donnie had to go at his, but found that apparently for him that didn't pan out. So there we go. Um, but yeah, that, that, that you're right. Once they've reached the stage where you can't get an up-to-date browser, that's when they become effectively no good. Yes. And and a laptop wouldn't be the best uh, server. Now, well, I, I have to take that back. Um, for music, I mean, I have, I have a 13-inch MacBook Pro that is so it's it's I mean it's not so old that I couldn't, I, th I think I can get it up to El Capitan and then that's it. I think it tops out at that, but it's not something put this way. It's not something I want to dump a lot of money into. And so the battery went on it. So I just pulled the battery out of it. And so I just have it plugged in with the power cable and it's got a very small hard drive in it and it's got just enough RAM. Like I, I basically, I scrapped it for parts. I took out the good parts of it, you know, over the years and have used that. But it's still going to be a serviceable machine for just a an iTunes server, just to run music. The plan that I have for it is to put it in my husband's classroom and hook it up to speakers. And it's moderate enough that it'll it'll take a note. Um, I could probably, you know, hook up an old uh, Apple uh, wireless router and just make a, a private network for it to connect to. And then he could use it just to play music, just as a, a geeky toy, so to speak. You know, just a large enough hard drive to keep an iTunes library on there and just uh, shuffle music. Yeah. You know, it could even I mean, serve yeah. as a digital photo frame and have, you know, pictures of the family on it. So, I mean, there's, there's always something you can, you can do with these machines, but like, like I said, you can't, if you can't connect them to the internet. They're not worth it to use as any kind of daily driver by any stretch of the imagination, but you can still repurpose them to do other cool things. Yeah. So I mean, they have their staying power. I mean, uh, what finally, what finally killed our, um, our iPad 2 was the the um the home button went mm, yes um uh -huh. so we got around that by using the on-screen you know the accessibility yes. button. accessibility yep. mm -hmm. um and then the uh it started getting very dubious about touch i think the um 
the touch sensors started to break down and it would either not respond or suddenly, you know, <laughs> register a load well, of know, taps that nobody... nobody we, spend, uh, we spend so much money on these things. I mean, there's such a, a huge barrier of entry when it comes to buying these electronics in the first place. And then it's like, I'll be damned if I'm going to just throw this thing in the trash. Like, it's still got life in it. I'm still willing to save it. Because you you know you spend so much money on it to begin with that you kind of you just it aches along and you try to you just try to keep making it go. It's like a car; you just try to keep driving it until until you just can't replace yeah. any more parts on it. I mean, I mean I've had rich. one car like that where we just kept replacing parts in it till the point where it got to be having engine problems, and then you have to consider the risk versus versus the reward. And I think it's like that with some of these electronics. I don't know. I mean, it, some people are just there. I guess they're wealthy enough that they can just toss it aside and get something new. But I'm not in that camp. I like to make stuff last and repurpose it. Yep, I'm certainly, I'm certainly not in that camp. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm my daily driver is a, a MacBook Pro 13 inch Retina, but it's a 2013 model. And yeah, I, but you can still run Mojave on it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I can, I can. Um, I waited eight years before I upgraded my machine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um well my previous That's a long time. <laughs> my previous machine was a, a, a twenty twelve and um I wouldn't have replaced it yet. Um except that my son happened to it and uh, mm, my son happened to it, huh? <laughs> yeah, my son happened to it. Um yeah. Yep, that'll yep. happen. Uh, yeah, we go. Um so apparently also this twelve point two beta uh brings uh Apple News to Canada. Uh, which will please some of our listeners, particularly uh, Dougie. Um, why it's taken so long for Apple News to make it to Canada, I do not know, but there you go. Um, only only those deep in Apple know the answer to that one. Apple has said it will pay shot on iPhone contest winners after a backlash. Uh, this story's at Gizmodo, but it's all over the web, of course. Um, well, quite rightly, Apple have said that uh, the winners of the uh, shot on iPhoto competition uh, will be paid a licensing fee for use of their photographs. But originally, um, the wording was this prize has no cash value. Um, uh-huh. And there was a huge outcry, apparently, um, in the usual fashion. Um, I don't know. I mean, no, nobody's really sure if Apple... Uh, you know, ever actually intended to not pay. I mean, saying in you could read that two ways, couldn't you? I mean, this prize has no cash value. Doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean we won't pay you a licensing fee. It just means maybe that there is no, you know, there's no $10,000, you know, jackpot for winning. Um, the prize is supposed to be that you're supposed to say, look, Ma, there's my picture up on that billboard. That's yeah, supposed to be your prize. <laughs> that's supposed to be your prize. I it's one of those things where I, because of what I do, um, I understand some of the backlash uh, because yeah, yeah, I'm, a, I'm thinking big, the same thing. There's this big thing, you know, uh, and a lot of professionals quite rightly said, yeah, this sort of, there's a lot of this exploitation goes on where people say, you know, we'll use your stuff, but you know what you get out of it is exposure, which is basically boulder dash. Um, and that's not even true because, I mean, I, I have yet to see a commercial that says, you know, with a photo credit that says this this photo was taken by, you know, so-and-so. Well, apparently the shot on iPhone ones do credit people by name. They do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, apparently, and usually their first name and then an initial, apparently. Um, 
Mm-hmm. But that makes sense. They've they've basically Apple quite rightly uh, put out um, a statement which said, "Let me just see what they said, uh, so I don't misremember it." Uh, I right, see where yes. they changed it. Yeah, it's, three days no after announcing value. shot on iPhone challenge app was updated the rules page uh, following a burst of outrage from artists on social media. Um, right. Uh, Apple has previously reached out to photographers through the ad agency rather than putting out a call to a public. Um, Right. Ten winning photos will be featured on Apple Newsroom, Apple's Instagram, Apple.com, Apple retail stores and billboards around the world. As determined by sponsor in its sole discretion. Yes, thank you for the pop-up gizmodo. Mm -hmm. Um, Billboards around the world as determined by the sponsor in its sole discretion. Prize is not transferable, no substitutions or cash redemptions. This prize has no cash value. Um, Now, as I'm saying, depending on how you want to interpret that, that could simply mean you can't say, no, I'd rather have $10,000. Yep, that's one way to interpret it, for sure. uh, The updated document reads, winners will receive a licensing fee for use on billboards and other marketing channels. Um, Apple believes strongly that art should be compensated for their work. Photographers who shoot the final 10 willing photos will receive a licensing fee for use of such photos on billboards and other marketing channels. Well, whether they, um, you know, intentionally or otherwise were not going to pay, they've done the right thing, basically, and said we will... um, compensate you fairly for uh, use of your photographs. Of course, previously, um, nobody knows what uh, the people who did shot on iPhone got paid, if anything, because it wasn't an open to the public competition. Mm. Oh, so, really? Yeah, they, they approached various people, I think, to take oh. photographs. Um, well, now that's interesting. So that changes one of my thoughts that I did have about this, where I thought, well, who are they considering an artist, quote unquote? Mm. Um, if it had been open to the general public, I, I thought that maybe the well, this one, this one is. This is the whole thing. Can, this one well, is open. Pictures yeah. and look, you and you can be an artist, and you can be an artist, and and you mm. can look like a professional photographer just by snapping the selfie or snapping this this sunset picture, and you know they'll. Yeah. <laughs> but they're treated as the general public and not an actual artist who does yeah. that for a living. Yeah. Well, I mean, previously, apparently, they've approached, you know, professionals directly to take photographs for the shot on iPhone. Uh, this one's going to be open to all and sundry. Um, and... and I wonder if when they did approach the artists, if the artists came back and said, well, yeah, this is Apple. <laughs> yeah. You need to pay out a little bit more than that in in licensing fee, and you know maybe we want some royalties here. So yeah, it could have been that maybe that's why they changed gears. But either way, I think all in all it's good. I mean, I know I'm biased, but and you know we are on the uh, the Apple show here, but I think that Apple usually is pretty good about you know they made a mistake, they they cop to it, they admit it, and they it's it's in about how they make it right. Yep. It, it seems to me that it's the world we live in at the moment, isn't it? That um, if if you make announcements as a big company, you can expect it to be torn to pieces in multiple different ways. Yeah, it it's like be... throwing fresh meat out to the lion den. It does, yeah. It, it, it must be very difficult to actually put anything out at all without having to pour over it for hours thinking, well, how can people interpret this? Yeah. How can people deliberately misinterpret this in a well, negative uh, yeah, light? Yeah, that as well. Yeah. No. Um, there we go. Must be very difficult. Whereas I expect in the beginning it was someone saying, "Hey, we could make this into a competition." Yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it was, was just a genuinely, you know, good idea. 
Great. Well, let's just, you know, rather than paying somebody to go and take pictures for us, let's just throw it open and uh, pick out the best 10. I think their heart was in the right place in the beginning. I don't know that they were, you know, genuinely trying to be greedy about it, but it certainly got uh, misinterpreted and um, and rightfully so because I, I maybe they just didn't consider all of that. No, mm. I'm sure I'm, I don't. Uh, usual as you say, I don't think there's any malice in it, and uh, they've been called out and said, okay, yeah, we maybe we've made a mistake. So there we go. Um. Google apparently have nabbed senior Mac OS engineer Bill Stevenson to go and work on the Fuchsia OS, um, according to the cult of Mac. Um, Well, sort of not that exciting a story, I suppose. I mean, uh, Apple recently nabbed Google's AI guy, didn't they? So I don't. I don't read much into these things, to be honest. Am I? Am I supposed to know what the Fuchsia OS is? Um. Well, uh, Fuchsia is the name of Google's um, kind of secret, although not secret, uh, next generation OS. Which, oh, right. Okay. Um, it's allegedly um, going to, in the, at some point, replace probably both uh, the Chrome OS and Android. Oh, um, interesting. Will it be unified? So it'll be like Windows. Windows it, Mobile. It, the idea is apparently that Fuchsia <laughs> is going to be a modular, fully scalable OS. So um, let's take a bunch of people. Or, well, let's take some guy from Apple to make it look really good. And yeah. let's, you know, copy what Microsoft has done. And then we'll do our own thing about it. And then if we don't like something, we'll just kill it. <laughs> I've, I've no idea. But um, it, it, there's been a lot of talk about it in, in certain circles. Um. I, now, obviously not circles in which I'm involved. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I guess you've got you've got to be either interested in in you know Google or OS type news, yes, um, or fairly geeky things like that. The as I see it, um, there are two two reasons. I can see two reasons why Google want to do this. One, you know, Android won't last forever. Um, you know, they want to build a, a newer, more, more coherent, um, fully scalable OS that they can run everything from a you know an earbud uh, all the way up to a desktop machine on um yes, they've got a serious problem with fragmentation yeah the second and to my mind possibly the far more important for google uh, point is that they you know they let android out as free for all and mm. although it got them um you know market penetration android's a bloody mess realistically um or not Android in and of itself, but the fragmentation of it into, you know, all these different versions, and um, it's a nightmare. And also... It's a, it's a sugar high. <laughs> it's all the candy that they consumed making all this stuff. Yeah, but, of course, if they were to, um, you know, if they start shifting over to, at some point, to the uh, Fuchsia OS, nobody says they have to give that away. That, right. That could be a fully proprietary, you know, they could go for the, well, if you want to use Fuchsia OS, no, you can't just have it and reskin it and put all your own apps and stuff on it. They could take much more control. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they could license that. They could say, no, you have to, you know, they could do a full on Windows on it, really. Um, Competition's good. Yeah. So there we go. It's definitely interesting to see what they'll do with it. But I, I I think we should come back in a year from now and see if this is still a thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. True. Um, yeah. Whether whether it actually you know ever arrives, let's face it, plenty of people over the years have had putative OSs that never made it out of the door. And that's the other problem that Google has, besides just the fragmentation now that they're trying to. I mean, it seems like like this is an attempt to stop the hemorrhaging, I guess. 
But the other problem that they have is reliability. It's like they're they're the the developers that cry wolf. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make this product. Here it is. Install it and use it. Oh, you know, invest all your your time in it and and put all your contacts in it and let's put them on this server. And then oh, we're killing it like three months later. Thanks. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. 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 Okay, um, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, if you're into such things, the the rumors around future um OS are that. Uh, Google are working on a, you know, a, a very focused, modular, scalable OS to run everything. Whether they can achieve that, of course, is a whole different matter, isn't it? Well, and <laughs> yeah. there's people that, you know, I guess maybe because we're longtime Mac users, I'll speak for myself here. But, you know, I like reliability and I like stability and I, I like uh, uh, simplicity. I'm kind of a purist. I don't like all of these changes. But there's plenty of people that deal with it and and they don't really mind. So... I could just be alone in that. <laughs> uh, by the way, Simon, you get uh, award for word of the day, putative. <laughs> well done. <Yeah. laughs> there we go. Yes. Okay. Um, now, this this story here, this, this is pretty much the last Apple story. Um, this one uh, it comes from Extreme Tech, It says, uh, but it's, again, all over the place. Apple lays off 200-plus people from Project Titan, the self-driving car effort. Um, right. Now... I've seen this put forward in a variety of stories as uh, in many places as, you know, um, two, 200 plus Titan engineers meet end of road or, uh, <laughs> you know, all sorts of other. Uh, yeah. But the, the general the general implication, particularly in headlines, has been that Apple are sacking 200 people from Project Titan, you know, uh, and downscaling it. And it's a, it's like, oh, it's all terrible. Whoa, woe is me. But actually, if you read into the story, um, most of them are simply being moved to other parts of the company. That's what I was thinking. I thought they're just reabsorbing them, aren't they're they? They're just shuffling stuff. I mean, don't forget they've yeah. got this, this that new... all the time. They've got this new guy um, who they uh, uh, poached from Google, the mm -hmm. uh, the machine learning slash uh, AI guy. Um, and he's working with Bob Mansfield, um, apparently, and they're mm. therefore in charge of Project Titan. Um, the general... Uh, sort of story as I see it, when you read behind, uh, you know, between the lines, is that simply uh, him, um, you know, adjusting the project to fit how he wants to work. Mm -hmm. um, because you know, if you come in to take um, control of of a project, you want it run your way, not how whoever else was in charge of it. Um, so there's a lot of stuff kind of crowing about this, but actually, as far as I can see, he's saying, this, you know, some of the some of these engineers are, are going to take what they've learned on Project Titan and break off into smaller groups and be distributed throughout Apple, where they can apply that knowledge to other products. So actually, it does. It you know, it's been portrayed as doom and gloom. All I can see is. Of course. Typical, typical shuffling, you know. Um, this, we're going to take some people. This story is a scapegoat. Yeah, we're oh, going to take some people off Project Titan and move them somewhere else. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's quite possible, isn't it, that um, that they had an idea, um, and we know that, that um, Apple spend quite a lot of money on trying things out to see, you know, what falls out when they, when they try stuff, because that's, that's how you come up with something new. If you're not doing Absolutely. that, you won't come up with anything new, and um, and, and perhaps they feel that 
this area of work has come to a full stop, so they're moving them elsewhere. Mm. As you say, it's it's just business practice. It's not really a yeah. It's, that, it's, they're saying they've been laid off or you know have been dismissed or whatever. No, no such thing. That's, yeah, that's. I don't think that's true. If you actually yeah. read that statement here, they say we have an incredibly talented team on autonomous systems and associated technologies. As the team focuses their work on key areas for 2019, some groups are being moved to projects in other parts of the company where they will support machine learning and other initiatives across Apple. So there you go. Nobody's, yeah. And nobody's lost their job. They've simply been reassigned to other projects. So research and development, they'll take the skills and the knowledge that they acquired from working on that project and be able to apply it somewhere else where it might be more timely and more meaningful. And I've often thought about this whole Project Titan thing. Everybody says that it's for a self-driving car, but what if what if it isn't? Or what if um, they've refocused their efforts into it just simply being an operating system for cars to be installed? There's what that. if cars are going to be turned into, I mean, cars have an operating system, you know, I mean, yeah. it's not my car, it's really old, but someday I I think that I'll eventually drive a car that will have an operating system, you know, not unlike CarPlay. I mean, I've seen that briefly in action and, and those are in certain models of cars, but who's to say that they're not, like we were just talking about the, the Fuchsia OS, that it would be some kind of uniform operating system that would be installed on across all the de all devices. Who's to say in the future? that there won't be some kind of unified operating system for just cars in general, that there'll be an operating system that yeah. you'll have on your dashboard. Yeah, I mean, I that mean, could be a very large component of what it is. And it may have been that they that they uh, scrapped the self-driving portion of it long ago when they didn't think that it fit their DNA as a company, that they don't want to be responsible for deaths. I mean, you know, that, that that's happened. I mean, people have been killed by self-driving cars, and why would Apple want to get behind that? Mm. Maybe they just want to be the operating system, and then, you know, there's kind of less fault there. Well, you know, I mean... Uh... I, I think the article's a little bit biased, in all, in all honesty. Um, I'm reading on a little bit later on. Uh, it says, uh, overall, some of the hype on self-driving cars has died down over the past 12 months. Mm. Well, that's probably true. That doesn't mean that people aren't still working hard on it. No. And it says, thanks in no small part to the prominent struggle of its biggest players. Well, I'm not convinced that they've been struggling. They've just no. been developing. I um, mean, I, it, I picked that one to actually put in here as a link because it's one of the least negative. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Some of the other ones I saw were really like, you know, making out like, oh, Apple's practically shutting down Project Titan as a complete waste of time. It's like, no, yeah, they not right. said anything. Thing. The sky is falling. The sky is you're falling. Apple make, are doomed. You're just making stuff up, you know. <laughs> making just... stuff up and making the stock go down. Yeah, you know. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, no, you know, were they making a car? We know that Johnny is, you know, a car head. Um, his friend, you know, uh, is it Mark Newson? He's a car head. Um, maybe they were really interested in the car. Maybe they still are. I nobody yeah. knows. It's a secret. It's a secret project. Nobody knows what's going on. We'll know when we're meant to know about it. Exactly. Um, the the other thing that I, uh, you know, everybody keeps on about autonomous cars, and you know, I'm very much behind that. I'd really like to have them. You know, autonomous cars that you could just get in the car and say, take me to work or, you know, drive me to my grandmother's or whatever, and it does it. And no one will have to worry about having a driving license and all this junk. 
Um, but I think in order to get there, we're going to have to have, in the meantime, cars which have ever more driver assist um, mm-hmm. features. You know, I mean, my, my car, I'm lucky enough, uh, well, I'm lucky enough that at the moment I have a, uh, a new Citroen um, C4 uh, Space Tourer. Um, I didn't buy that. Um, my wife gets that uh, from the British government because she's disabled. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Hmm. We do, you, you give up a certain amount of your benefits and effectively they lease you a car. Um, mm. And the car we had, they said it's time to send it back and have a new car. So a new car we have. Um, and, and yes, you know, it's, um, I mean, the other one was, was, you know, computer engine management and, and all the rest. But this one, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's got two LCD screens. One's a dash, one's your uh, sat nav and everything else. It, various screens for your car play and your air con. And, but er- everything is in it is managed. You know, the braking is managed. The, there's parking sensors all over the place. It does this, that and the other. Um, is it possible that your wife is a beta tester? <laughs> yeah my wife doesn't drive she's not allowed to drive i i drive it but um it, oh okay it's a, was it, it possible that you're a beta tester well, for yeah. it <laughs> yeah well it is but it is it is a lovely car but um yes you even though you are you know you physically drive it there's an awful lot of things you can't do it won't let you for example you can't manually change gear up or down if it considers that that is an un, not sensible thing to do so um, when I get older, I'm probably going to really, really like that because I work with a lot of people who have uh, trouble trying to get out of the house and, and get rides. So I can see how that would be really, really helpful for a certain demographic of people. But for right now, like I drive stick shift. I <laughs> like to drive my car. I don't want my car to drive me yet. Well, I, I, I want to drive it. I can't I, stand driving an automatic like I would have been in third gear by now. <laughs> but the the fact the fact is though there are different occasions when you'd like to be able to do different things, aren't there? I mean, uh, I agree. I enjoy driving. Yeah, if I could turn it off. I would like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, you uh, can turn it off. I mean, mine is is a full auto, right? With compute controlled eight speed gearbox. Um, uh, the, of course, the argument is if uh, if autonomous cars do arrive eventually, and I have no idea whether they will. I, I think they probably will, but we'll see. Um, that uh, insurance-wise, it's going to be expensive if you want to drive your car yourself because you're uh, more yeah. of a risk than the, than yes, the car will be. Very mm-hmm. much so. I suspect uh, driving a car will become a you know very much uh, an expensive hobby. A bit of a luxury, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah, I think that's a little way away yet. <laughs> well, yeah, and our, our roads, you know, aren't all exactly built for this kind of stuff either. I mean, we have. No, I mean, the roads are much. The we, we have the a roads in America are much better than our roads in the UK. Oh, yeah, I, I can assure you, a self-driving car in parts of Britain will have a <laughs> lot worse time. Yeah. Most of the US. Uh, that's that's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing, you know, there are there are plenty of highways. I mean, out here in Arizona, we have beautiful highways, and there are uh, lanes that are considered high occupancy lanes, and it's a nice, you know, kind of straight line. It's just one track, and and if we had more of those types of lanes on more of our highways, then that would be great. But there's a lot of country out here, and I just can't imagine these self-driving cars navigating some of these places. Just some of the places that I go up in the mountains to go out to people. Uh, I, I have a hard time picturing how it would navigate. Well, we'll see. We will have to see on that, won't yeah. we? we? We really will. Um, I, I think I would really like it. Um, whether or not they can actually manage it in my uh, lifetime, we'll have to see. Um, yeah. Right. 
Well, we've been going for quite a while. What I'm going to do is, uh, there's no John this week, so we'll have a short musical interlude while we all go and get a fresh cup of coffee, I think. So, uh, back in a minute. After that short interlude where we have refreshed our beverages, uh, we'll carry on. So, um, I think we've covered all the Apple stories. Uh, there's a couple of techno stories, uh, basically about Facebook. So I'm not going to go into that in too much depth. But um, Zuckerberg uh, wrote a piece uh, in, uh, was it the Washington Post, I think, or somewhere, uh, calling it the facts about uh, Facebook. Uh, which uh, clicks have written a piece about here, so describing it as the peak of hypocrisy. Um, because um, in a guest article, the Facebook CEO defended data collection and claims that users now have more control. Uh, his statements, however, show he does not understand the basic problem. Oh, sorry, it was the Wall Street Journal, apparently. Um, he defended the advertising-based business model of his company and claimed that Facebook gives users more control. You control whether we use your data for advertising. Uh, the only question is why users can't control whether users um, Facebook is allowed to collect data or not. Uh, of course, as far as I can tell, that's a complete and utter lie. You do not have any control over what bloody Facebook do uh, with your data um, or whether or not you have any way to control them from absorbing it in the first place. Um, so there you go. Um, I, I don't know what, 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 you know, are you, I know Nick says that he, you use Facebook a bit, don't you, Nick? Yes, in a very sort of controlled way. Mm. I, I often think people's major problems, you know, with Facebook is that when it first came out, that people liked everyone under the sun mm. uh, and then couldn't control their feeds. Um, I've always been quite um, selective about who I'll like and who I won't like. Um, and even if quite often I'll get requests for from people I've never heard of who want to who want to <laughs> be part of my and I just say no decline. Yeah, who who the hell are um, you? <laughs> yeah, uh, and and that way I keep it mostly under control. I mean, there are things about Facebook I don't like, and I know I know their um, let's put let's say their morals on um, personal information are perhaps uh, somewhat sketchy, mm. um, but. Uh, I, I find it useful for what I use it for. Uh, one of the things I'm doing at the moment is that there's a, a local history group um, that are looking into, um, they're posting lots and lots of really old photos of the area that I live in. Uh, and it's just absolutely fascinating because pe people have obviously 
who were posting on it have lived there a long time and they've got some really old photos back into the 19th century and stuff and it's just it really really is very interesting indeed i i have to say that i have heard good things about facebook groups uh you know people keep saying that groups on facebook are better than google groups or uh, you know yahoo groups or whatever yes i think they are yeah um, we have a true. genealogy groups i talked about this in the last podcast i did with uh, the three geeky ladies we were talking about our facebook usage and stuff and so i don't rehash too much of it uh listen to that episode but uh we were talking about genealogy and that's one of the reasons why times when i feel like i would like to quit facebook but i simply can't because part of it is my job um people ask me enough questions about it something that i have to know about so yeah i help people you know make business pages and things like that and I, I can't close down my account because i need to be able to log into it as a person um i have a business page there that i still use it's 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 where the people are and I, it's where where they where your friends and family hang out and you know i have two on both sides my side and my husband's side we're involved in two different family groups that are for gene genealogy and it's you know semi-private although it's not but it kind of is you know it's and it's free so the barrier to entry is really I, low i think nick's right part of the thing is now i mean i've never been on facebook and i've no desire to start now but um if i did i think you know there are plenty of people out there saying if you want to use facebook you know and you were to start now it's like i would be much more restrained about who i invited in i would be much more careful about what information i put on there um yeah and and i think that's the i think you're right there nick i think a lot of it like so many things when it started out it all seemed like harmless and you know, it's all harmless fun until it's not, as they like to yes. say. And, and I also think that um, people don't make use of the tools that are built into it. Um, so some time ago, I friended a friend of a friend. <laughs> uh, and uh, he happened to post tons of stuff. I mean, literally, you know, first day I'm on, he's posted 30 or 40 items, on yeah. <laughs> which is just too much for me. Um but you can you can mute people. You don't have to unfriend them. No, you can actually right. just say, I don't want to hear that person anymore. And and, and that's that. It's done. Um and I think you know, I think partly it's also because people don't know how to use it. But underlying it all is 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 this distrust that we have of Facebook. Um so even though I'll continue to use it, I know that I'm I'm not very enamored of what goes on in the background. No, I think that's the <laughs> That's the thing. And lots of people, yeah, like you, Melissa, lots of people say, well, I have to be on there, you know, for my work, for these groups that I'm in, for family, for whatever. And and I resent that. <laughs> and, and But it's I, the truth. It's a fact. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think the the truth about that seems to be if, if that is the situation, you just have to be very careful about how you manage mm -hmm. what you what you do. You know. Um, I've never personally had any any disillusions about I knew I was the product. You know, I've, I've been using it since since they opened it up to non-college people. So I've been using it for a long, long time. And I knew that the stuff that I was putting in there, I've always had this this personal mantra. If you can get the data out, you need to be able to if you can get the data in, you need to be able to get the data mm. out. So I never put anything in there that I didn't think that I could get back out again as far as pictures or 
you know, blogging or notes or anything like that or ideas, I down, I frequently download the content. I frequently, you know, make PDFs of it so that I can keep a track of it. Uh, I wish that they would make the, the conversations that happen. There's been some very meaningful, you know, even if they're infighting, there's still very meaningful conversations that have happened that I would like to keep for just the sake of like journaling. I mean, periodically, I like to go back through and, and read those conversations. And I wish that they threaded it better when it comes to being able to archive that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, come, it's almost like your own little personal time machine. But I've never had any illusions about like anything that you post in there, whether or not you're sharing it with a group or not, is always going to be found out. It's always going to be someone could get to it somehow. Nothing's ever private when it comes to that. So I wasn't so, so hurt about the whole Cambridge Analytica thing that came out. I was like, well, that's not a huge shocker. I didn't like the way that they manipulated people through um, targeted posts and and just made people see things differently. Yeah. And that that's what bothered me was using this as a they kind of weaponized it. Um they they took this tool that innocent people are using to share their stories with their loved ones and pictures of their kids and their dogs and their food and 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 their stories and like you you know like the example you gave all those pictures that are being shared and then people having conversations about it all of that stuff, you know, could it be used against somebody? I I don't know, but it's quite possible. But they're using it for harm and not good. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm, 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 sorry. Go no, on, I was going to say my, you know, my, I kind of said this before that I don't have a very high opinion of uh, Facebook, as everybody knows. But and yet the concept behind it, I don't, I don't dislike. It's and even knowing, even if you go into it knowing, I think my real problem with Facebook is the the lying, the hypocrisy and the sheer mm -hmm. underhandedness, uh, you know, of Zuckerberg and Facebook, you know, uh, corporation um, mm -hmm. itself. Whereas the actual original concept of a way for people to, you know, interact is, is fine. Um, and it's not even, you know, all right, so they're collecting your data. Well. You know, I used Google for long enough and let them collect a certain amount of data about me. But I went into that with my eyes open. I think the trouble with Facebook is it becomes harder and harder because they just keep doing it. And they just they, they just say, oh, we're really sorry. We won't let that happen again. And it's like, yeah, but you blatantly are because you don't actually give a flying monkeys, do you? You're just you're getting away with it. It's like the it's like the example that we had earlier when we were talking about what Apple did wrong. When it came to not compensating people appropriately for their their work, they realized that they made a mistake and they corrected, they self-corrected, and then they led by example, whereas uh, not so much when it comes to Facebook. <laughs> not so much. You know what I mean? And I posted a link there in the side chat, and I just think it's kind of interesting to juxtapose the two, that, that he wrote this piece soon after Tim Cook's op-ed about privacy. Yeah. Um, and the other story um, is apparently, well, this is his headed, Zuckerberg wants to merge Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp messaging. Um, again, there's a lot of this all over the place. Um, again, I've tried to pick it's one. This big boat that's called the Titanic, right? <laughs> I I've tried <laughs> to put pick um, a link which is um, less sensational than some of the others. Um, several of the stories I I read about it kind of implied that Facebook were going to mash Messenger, WhatsApp, and Instagram into one enormous blob somehow 
um, that's not what they're saying. What they're actually saying is they want to merge the back end behind Messenger, Instagram and WhatsApp into one unified system and that you would still access them through these different portals. Uh, what you? Th- I'm having a hard time understanding why WhatsApp and Messenger are two separate things anyway. Because they bought, I mean, they're, they're, because they bought WhatsApp. Right. So, but... I could see those two things being combined. I mean, if you look at all the things, it's like uh, using the right tool for the job. Messenger and WhatsApp kind of do the same thing. So I could see how those two would be combined. Yeah. As, as long as Messenger inherits WhatsApp security. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, um, yeah, again, depending on how tinfoil hatted you want to get, that's so, uh, that's either, you know, a great plan that will allow, um, you know, cross messaging from messenger to whatsapp or instagram to whatsapp and whatnot or more big data yeah (laughs) yeah or it's more big data um in facebook's case facebook out of those out of those four things facebook was the originator and then it created messenger correct but instagram was was something else it bought instagram and it bought whatsapp yeah so the last two are the ones that are that are folded into it yeah so I don't know. Um, again, there's a lot of talk there. If you go into the articles, it, obviously it's all about the, um, you know, the encryption um, and how we we make it work and all the rest. I, I could see, I could see both sides of that from a technical point of view. Uh, merging the back end into one um, infrastructure makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense, I'm sure, because otherwise, if you're run, if you're merging, you know, if you're running three different back ends, that's an awful lot of overhead. Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I hate having to have all those separate apps installed. I, I've uninstalled the Facebook app. I've uninstalled the Messenger app. So anytime that someone sends me a private message in Messenger, if I want to look at it on my phone, I have to force the desktop version. And that's just a pain. Yeah. So uh, what should we do next? Um, right. Well, worth a chirps here. Um, I've got a, a worth a chirp from Dougie uh, in the Slack. Uh, that's a, a shortcut which will take you to iTunes and App Store, uh, app store subscriptions in one tap. Um, oh. Yes, it's in the show notes. Um, I won't attempt to read it out because, as you can imagine, it's one of those, you know, 1A3F47P, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but it will take you directly to your App Store subscriptions. Um, it's not the first time I've seen one of these because... Uh, actually trying to find your subscription is a nightmare. Slightly easier mm-hmm. on um, iOS than it is on the uh, Mac. But uh, anyway, there's a shortcut in there which you can um, use and save, which allows you to go directly to your App Store subscriptions. That's good. Yep. Um, we have a website uh, sent in by Donnie, Donnie Yankalo, um, a GIF editor. Uh, which is called easygif.com. Apparently it's an online oh, GIF editor, uh, which he discovered whilst uh, helping somebody out, apparently. Uh, the online GIF maker and image editor. Uh, easygif.com is a simple online GIF maker and tool set for basic animated GIF editing. So there we go. Uh, that's a that's a nice one. And last of all, no, not last of all, tell a lie. Um, we have GoodNotes 5 Upgrade Bundle by Time-Based Technology on the iOS App Store, uh, which Mac Jim sent in. Um, as he says, this is, they've got, um, 
an unusual upgrade policy where what you pay for the upgrade bundle is based on what you paid for the previous version you have. So basically, hmm. whatever you paid for the previous version, they will knock off the uh, the price. So um, I can only un- uh, I can only assume that uh, Good Notes Four was sold at a variety of prices, uh, or was discounted, or or maybe put in some bundles or whatever. Um, apparently, I don't know quite how it works, but uh, whatever you paid for your previous version will be knocked off the cost um, of the current version. So. Yeah. Uh, if you paid the full price for um, Good Notes Four, I believe the Good Notes Five upgrade is free, and then it, you know, obviously goes all the way up to you never bought it before, and that will cost you about, I think, fifteen pounds. But there we go. Um, so that's it. Interesting. It, it, Jim put that in as much um, as a comment about the interesting upgrade strategy as he did about the product itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've got one here called uh, Hackintosher Build Your Own which is at uh, hackintosher.com, if anybody's interested in building a Hackintosh. Um, I thought that was quite interesting. Um, you know, more and more people were saying that, you know, the cost of uh, renewing their Mac is getting beyond what they can afford. Um, if you go to that site, there's um, a tab of builds, which uh, has, uh, I'm assuming, uh, the instructions on how to build uh, a Hackintosh. There's one in here, for example, a $400 budget Coffee Lake Hackintosh build guide based on a Gigabyte Z370 HD3, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's probably what parts, but I'm pretty sure uh, if you then uh, follow that link, it will give you a, you know a list of parts that you need to buy in order to uh, build a Hackintosh. And obviously it's got instructions on how to install the OS and how to do uh, various other things that you need to do to make a Hackintosh work. So there we go. Um, we've got a couple of... Uh, uh, security stories just to wrap up with i think um i found one here called 2fa what are the best apps which is on 925 mac um and that will talk about uh, you know various authenticator type apps um you know google authenticator authy one password uh, and so on um microsoft authenticator i like the one password yep uh, lots of people like one password i'm not a one password user personally um there we go. Uh, Authy is in there. Um, Microsoft, Google Authenticator, so on. I've got a whole load of them, actually, personally, although I don't use them very much, I must admit. Um, That's why I got rid of them. I just talked to one password. I thought, oh, I can do this one app. Well, Yay. yeah, if you've got one app, one app that works for you, that is true. Um, and I'm talking about two-factor authentications. I've ordered myself uh, from Amazon uh, a Faitian, uh, I believe that's how he pronounce it, it's F-E-I-T-I-A-N, uh, an E-Pass FIDO NFC enabled security key, uh, which looks like a little plastic key. Um, I thought you were going to say a little plastic dog yeah. with a name like FIDO. No, yeah, I know, no, it's a, it, it, it's a, uh, it is a USB and uh, key made to look like a plastic key. Um, it wasn't very expensive. Uh, obviously, the famous ones are YubiKey, um, but they range in uh, price from about £15 up to about 100 Um Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, they, they come in various types. Um, I've, I've tried, I've bought this one to try it out. Um, and it's a universal two-factor FIDO key with NFC support. Um, whether it will pan out at the moment, you know, um, not many things support it. Um, uh. I have linked 
I've linked a, a thing, how to secure your accounts with a universal two-factor key or YubiKey, which was from How to Geek. Um, it would appear at the minute that the main things you can use it with are Google, GitHub, Microsoft. Dropbox, uh, perhaps, because it says that in the title. Facebook, Dropbox. Um, at the minute, it's a sort of nascent technology. Um, apparently, there's a web authentication API coming, um, which will make it much more, um, you know, uh, accessible. I'm going to experiment with it, basically. Um, I, it cost me £17, this key. This key. Um, are you going to put it on a lanyard? Like, are you going to carry it around with you everywhere? Yeah, yeah, that's the point of it. You carry it around with you and... Um, you know, instead of using one of these authenticators or whatever, if you uh, you can either insert the key or um, to authenticate, or if it's NFC um, enabled, tap you know tap the NFC. It's really good. It, so that will be so future. it's a fingerprint. You store your fingerprint on it because there's a picture of a person. Uh, no, this no fingerprint. this one no this one doesn't. Um, some have some of them have fingerprint readers and whatnot in some of the more expensive ones. I've bought a really. I was going to say it for yeah. <laughs> yeah, for seventeen pounds. No, mine's a really basic one because I just want to experiment it, and I do know that at the moment you know it's not super widely accepted. Um, I wanted to just try it out and see what I think really. Um. Yeah, you're going to have to keep one USB port dedicated to it. Well, normally you only have to put back. it in. You normally only have to put it in, you know, to authenticate. So you don't have to keep it in there. It's not like a oh, not like oh. a dongle. It's like, you know, insert your key now to authenticate. Um, you know, rather How often are you going to have to do that? Well, of course... <laughs> you might as well leave it in. Well, For the course of the day, as you're, as you're doing computing work that requires that... Well, you're, but you're then again, most of the... You, know, you say that, but then again, most of the... Um, most of the sort of services that you're likely to want to use it with, you know, you can basically say, don't ask me again on this computer, can't you? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, so it says it works with Chrome, Firefox and Opera. Yeah, at the moment, yes. Yeah, uh, and it'll work on Windows, Mac, Linux, Chrome OS and even Android. Mm, allegedly. Um, hmm. Apparently, I'm not sure that the uh, NFC, I'm pr I think I read that the NFC doesn't work with Apple uh, iPhones because... Apple haven't released the NFC no. API, so that kind of limits it. Um, which may I'll be interested to hear how you get on. Which may be why the YubiKey um, Lightning uh, key was um, a bigger story than I thought, because when we talked about that uh, last week or the week before, um, I, I kind of went, well, yeah, you can now they're doing a Lightning port one, but at the same time, you can use NFC. Well, apparently, you can't use NFC on the iPhone. So the Lightning YubiKey becomes a somewhat more useful object. Mm. Hmm. There we go. Uh, well, I think that's pretty much all of the stories, people. So uh, we've been going quite a long time. So I think we should wrap it up. So. Uh, what we usually do here, Melissa, is uh, you get to tout wherever you uh, put your stuff. So uh, take <laughs> it away. It's uh, really very easy. I'm online all over at The Mac Mommy, and I have my website, themacmommy.com. And thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. No problem at all. Uh, Nick? Uh, yes, uh, Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H, uh, very occasionally on Twitter. Yes, <laughs> very occasionally indeed. Um I am, of course, on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Uh, and the show is uh, Essential Apple, and all of our stuff is over at EssentialApple.com. Uh, 
I suppose I should just read out the uh, giveaways and offers. Giveaways and offers. Don't forget, um, one lucky listener can win a free, uh, uh, what, uh, free entry to Dr. Mac's Working Smarter for Mac Users video course, which retails for $500. Um, and he's also gifted us a copy of his book, Working Smarter for Mac Users, which I believe retails for $25. So if you would like a chance to win that, email essentialapple at sudomail, that's S-U-D-O, mail.com, uh, with the subject Dr. Mac, and you will go into the draw, and we will draw that in a couple of weeks' time. Um, also, Ghostery gifted us 10 Ghostery swag bags. Uh, again, uh, email essentialapple at sudomail.com, uh, with this one, you have to put in your postal address and your T-shirt size, because as Nick points out, we cannot email you a shirt. Uh, so again, uh, email in for that one, and we'll draw the names out of the hat in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, listeners of the show can get an extra $10 discount off purchases of Luminar or Aurora HD 2019 with the coupon code ESSENTIALAPPLE at the checkout. There we go. Uh, well, thank you both for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, I think we'll all just say goodbye, shall we? Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say, if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, or even, if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I forgot. So why not go over to mymac.com Take a look at the available podcast and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. So I'm someone who likes to have very little on my desktop. Yeah, me too. I don't put anything on my desktop. Yeah, as little as possible for me. Um, yeah. uh, but some people, you know, live off their desktop. And I, right. you yeah. go and look at their machines and you think, ah! Oh, absolutely. <laughs> In fact, uh, I, I work with lots of people who they just, I think they just were not given very good introductory skills. Yes. And so they just compensated the best way they knew how. So as a result, they've got this desktop that's just littered with things because they were never taught to use the Finder right. as a tool. And so 
well, I know it's there because I, I put it, you know, up in the upper right-hand corner. They don't quite understand how icons end up moving themselves all around the desktop as you keep adding things. Yeah. And then if, you know, God forbid, if they click on something by accident and rename it, I mean, it's just, it's awful. And so a lot of times I, my job is to teach people how to use the finder and how to actually file things. And that, you know, did you know that the desktop is actually a folder that you can sort and view by kind and rename the files in the finder? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, like their in, minds are just blown, you know? <laughs> of course, back in the day, um, for PCs particularly, um, there was there was problems with putting things on the desktop because the machine would, always been it would preload all that information yes, and yes. therefore it would slow your machine down. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I know that that's not still a problem, although there's other problems that, that contribute. So it, it's still a good idea to keep a clean, a clean desktop and put things where they belong. Yeah. But I have actually in the past rescued people from, you know, they'd have a four gigabyte file on their desktop and wonder why, you know, why, why would their computer <laughs> take so long? And why, why do I have to wait for this beach ball? And they just get so irritated. I'm like, okay, let's put this document in the documents folder. Oh, these are, <laughs> these are photos. Do you think maybe they belong in the pictures folder? You know, uh, put do you know what else, you know what else I find fascinating, uh, Melissa, it's the way, how different people do different things in different ways. Oh, totally um, fascinating. So I'm having grown up sort of with uh, uh, pre, pre-PCs, as it were, before PCs were a main thing, and then with PCs and Macs. So, and, so pre-GUI uh, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back, back, back to the old DOS days and things yes. like that. Um, I always learned about folder structures and all that sort yes. of thing. Uh, whereas... Uh, I've got a colleague at work, and he's just as effective at me. In fact, often more effective at me, because he uses search for everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so when he wants to find a file, he just searches for it. Whereas yeah. I'll think, ah, oh, I know where that file is. It's in that folder. Therefore, yep. I'll go and have a look in that folder. Yeah, that took uh, me a while. I was very much like that. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm younger. I started out with with a GUI, and because I always worked in graphic design. So everything was very, very much a visual thing for me. But then also working in design, part of my job was also maintaining servers and files and file systems and developing nomenclatures for projects and project management. So I'm very, uh, I used to love it when, well, we can still do it in the doc, but I remember back in like OS 9 days where you could, you could pin a folder to the bottom of your screen and it would just it would it would sit there like a little tab yeah. like on a middle folder windows. kind of and you could just yeah you could just click it and it would slide up and then you could just go navigate to your file and i i loved arranging my stuff like that because i could easily get to my project by just clicking and everything that i wanted to get to was three clicks you know it was just cl- three three clicks yeah. away so it was really super efficient um so i was never one of those people that just you know slapped everything on the desktop and so i'm even though even though i'm used to a visual iconographic uh user interface i still like you i much prefer a hierarchy i like things to be in order i'm one of those people that gets ticked off because you can't just go to your library you have to press the option key now to get to your oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, Apple would hide things from you, you, people because they're hand-holding. You can, actually, they know best. you can actually make that stay visible. Without having to yeah. press the option key if anymore? You, if, you, um, if you go to the library, yeah, go into the uh, user folder, you need to be in the home folder and it's in it, okay, go back to home folder. view options. And right at the bottom, there's show the library folder. Show view options. Ah, I 
like it. Well, if you turn that Yay. on, your, your, your library will never disappear again. I like it. That's awesome. Thank you. That's very cool. I'll probably still press the option key out of muscle memory, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but I love making things like that. That is, that is way cool. Well, there you go. It's like, um, yeah, there's loads of things. The, sub, the thing is, is the Macs got bigger and, you know, more complicated all the time. There are hundreds yeah. right. of things. There was a there was a thread on Twitter months ago now, but it was a, like, tell me something you really love about the Mac that lots of people don't know. And it was just oh, I love ab- that stuff. Absolutely full of all those sort of things. You know, do you know that you yeah. you know most people don't know you can adjust the volume in quarter pips. You know, um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which uh, instead of simply pressing the volume up and down, I think it's option shift volume up and option, down. I yeah. think I don't use it myself, mm-hmm. but is it option? I have a touch bar on my MacBook Pro, and I. I just, I, I don't know. I don't love it. And yeah, option I read an shift. And if you, if you do option shift and use the um, volume up, volume down, it'll only go a quarter of a pip at a time. Same mm-hmm. applies to brightness yeah, as well. Cool. So, so uh, yeah, as we were talking about searching, we, um, so on my Mac now, I do use searching more than I used to. Um, I've got Alfred, so I, I quite like, uh, I quite like being able to invoke that and search for something uh, mm-hmm. that way or, now, Alfred look. does tap into Spotlight, yes? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I know I can use either. <laughs> now, here's something. Going... Try this in Spotlight. Have you ever had the need? Well, maybe it might be different because of the way you're... So the other day, I was looking for a phone number. There was this mysterious... Something showed me a phone number, and I thought, where do I know that phone number from? Because I don't memorize phone numbers. Oh, yes, yeah. I use contacts. And I simply tried to type in the phone number to spotlight search, and it kept thinking I wanted to perform a math equation. Like it, it was trying to solve. Yeah. Yes. You know, I, and it didn't even work with, I put uh, parentheses in front of the area code, because, you know, out in the United States, we're plus one area code and the exchange and then the, the four digits. And it kept thinking it was a math problem. So it would not let me search for a phone number. Uh. And I tried searching it in my. Uh, contacts app the problem was the the phone number that i had i found what the mistake was it was missing one of the digits and that's why i couldn't find it in contacts but it was like well thanks spotlight you're no help at all usually it finds those sorts of things i was kind of surprised that it would not let me go past a a math problem Mm -hmm. interesting but then i i very uh i very rarely um search using spotlight i use the finder search Mm -hmm. yes on the on the window bar I used to, but I have found Spotlight to be more and more and more useful as it's indexed more things that it finds pieces of text inside of notes and things like mm. that, that the Mac, that the search in the Mac finder wouldn't necessarily find because it's not in the file name. That's true. I, I guess mostly because most of what I do when I'm searching is searching for files at work uh-huh, rather than, right. you know, rather than have to, like you were saying earlier, rather than manually um going, all right, well, that's that job number. So go to, you know, go to that year, go to mm-hmm. that month, go to that bunch of numbers that just type in the name and or the job number. Well, I've been, you know, trying to pepper whatever it is that I make with some kind of keyword so that I can make it searchable. Yeah, that's very organized. Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.